Blog Talk Radio. Your hand reached into the depths of darkness. Your
on our face before him, seeking his wisdom and guidance, seeking to have the only the understanding that only comes through the Lord. One of the problems with blocks is that we're on Skype, and Skype seems really bad, and then um, it's always, you know, it's always, um, I wish there was a perfect um, telecommunication. Everything else to be able to do these broadcasts is, but anyway, um, his strength is sufficient, and for his grace is sufficient, and strength is perfect. So, you know, we did talk about the world events and everything that's going on, um, or we just talk about the Lord. So, I'm going to um, try to reset with phone connection, and we're going to go into one quick song, and then we will get right into the Word. So, we will be back and just, let's see, we get a song, probably like five minutes should be enough time to um, reset the phone. I just got to find out. Good song to play. Okay, we'll be right back. Oh, <laughs> 
Okay, everybody, we're back. Hopefully, uh, the um, audio quality is a little bit better. Um, if not, then I guess this is just um, the best we're going to get tonight. Um, so, where were you? We were talking about how, you know, there's all sorts of stuff that we could pay attention to, things that we could... Um, put our focus on, but all of it's uh, passing away, except for the word of the Lord, except for the knowledge of him who died and rose again. And um, I had a couple, you know, I was thinking about a couple of verses, and they, in, in, in the long run, they really don't seem like they come together, but in some ways they do. Uh, Psalms 27, verse 6 says, And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. You know, those are sort of the two things that encompass and make up um, our entire life here upon this earth is worshiping him and seeking his face, Um, being a worshiper. And, you know, we've said it... um, a lot of different times and a lot of different ways um, that worship isn't so much of an action but a interaction. It's not so much of something that you schedule but something that you walk in. You can't schedule a relationship because um, if the only time you have a relationship is a few minutes you get to schedule here and there, it's really not going to be the strongest relationship. And um, worship is the same way. We should have the, an attitude, a heart of thanksgiving, a heart of joy, and of a heart of praise to the Lord for what he's done, for the things that he has brought us through, the things that he's going to bring us through. And despite if he had ever done anything for us to begin with, outside of um, dying upon the cross and rising from the dead, then that would be enough. And if he hadn't even done that, then it would have been enough just the fact that he is Elohim, that he is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Just who he is alone as Almighty God, as the uncreated one, is enough to deserve all the praise for all of eternity. And we, as a body, as a group, as individuals, as whatever, we all need to enter into a place of worship that just doesn't encompass um, a certain time, a certain room, a certain setting, but it it encompasses our lifestyle. It's something that we become. We become worshipers of the living God. When the Bible says to offer yourself as living sacrifice, you know, as the Bible says that we're living epistles uh, written on on tablets of stone but on tablets of flesh and heart of the heart 
as it says that we're living, that we're vessels um, being filled up with the Holy Spirit, that we're fragrances of the Lord into this earth. Part of the character, one of the characteristics of a child of God is an attitude and a heart of worship, is a heart of thanksgiving, a heart of giving. That is not something you have to work up. It's not something you have to try to do. It is something that you sometimes have to practice. Trying to focus, trying to concentrate, trying to settle yourself and get alone and get your thoughts upon the Lord with the five million things that are in this world for us to focus upon. You know, sometimes we have to eliminate all that extra noise and, you know, as it says, to set our faces ascent before the Lord, to set our hearts upon Him, to meditate upon His Word day and night, like it says in Joshua and it says in Deuteronomy and all throughout the Scripture, to meditate upon His Word, that we can somehow, through His Holy Spirit, gain wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him. And the flip side of that is just to seek his face, just to know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, as Paul said. Because there's no greater knowledge. There isn't anything higher than the love of God, the love of God through Christ Jesus it says that you may know the love of Christ with surpassing knowledge. And, you know, the only thing that goes beyond knowledge is love. And there's nothing greater than his love, which we, for the most part, have barely begun to comprehend. We talk about it, we preach about it, we sing about it, but we don't, that, we don't often meditate on it. We don't contemplate on it. We don't really take into account the extreme extremeness of what he's done for us, the extremeness of who he is, his very character, his very nature of being the uncreated God who entered into the form of a man, come, as it says, coming in the form of a bondservant, that he could bring eternal life to any who would call upon him, any who would be willing to lay down their own lives and to serve him. It says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know, Jesus said um, over in the book of John, John um, chapter 15, verse 9, it says, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy remain in you, and that your joy may be full. You know, he said, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. And, you know, something me and Chris talked about, and we may have mentioned on the show, is that you know, what does it mean to keep his commandments? You know, we can go through the scripture where it says um, the Ten Commandments, where it says what you can do, where it says what you can't do. And we could go through all those different scriptures. We can go through um, the um, traditions of men, as Jesus called them, the things that 
laid down as saying, well, you should do things this way or this way or this way, even though scripturally um, there's not necessarily um, any backing for it. And But it gets to a point that men have such traditions that are deep-rooted and from generation to generation that they hold them with equal regard, if not higher regard, than the word of the living God. But what does it really mean to serve him? What does it really mean to follow him? What does it really mean to keep his commandments? And it, it's a, you know, it says in Psalms 119, and I think um, over the next couple of days we're going to try to go through this and, um, entire chapter. One night, um, Psalms 119 is pretty long, but it says, I'll just start off a little bit. It says, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his way. You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed when I look into all your commandments. I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I will keep your statutes. Oh, do not forsake me utterly. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much in all, as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. You know, the man came up to Jesus and he said, 30 minutes left, um, man came to Jesus and he said, what can I do to inherit eternal life? And, you know, they spent some time going over the commandments, honor your father and mother, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And but then Jesus told them, Okay, you like one thing, sell what you have and give it to the poor and then come follow me. But Jesus didn't say that to every single person. The people who followed him, he didn't tell every one of them, okay, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and then come follow me. Some people he just said, he just walked up to them and he said, follow me. Because God is a personal God. God knows us. It says he's intimately acquainted with all our ways And what I'm sort of getting at here is There is When it comes to following the Lord Being obedient to the leading Of the Holy Spirit in your life There's The black area of what you shouldn't do There's the um, white area of what you're supposed to do And then there's the huge gray area Of all the regular Normal things in life That you know what? It doesn't really say one way or another. Um, it says, be holy for I am holy. 
But how do you become holy? We're sanctified and we're considered righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ, which is what the gospel says. Um, Through grace we are saved through faith, not of ourselves as a gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. And so our salvation is set in stone. But our relationship is a little bit different, our our relationship with the Lord, how we seek the Lord, how we go after him. Do we go after him in our convenience, or do we go after him out of the abundance of necessity that we have that declares to our own spirits that we cannot rest until we have seen him, until we can touch him, until we have come into contact with this living king, with this Lord of Lord, with this Savior. You know, all throughout your life, um, you'll always have the Holy Spirit speaking to you. You'll ha- always have the Father leading you and guiding you. And your choice to be obedient to what he says to you will have a direct effect on the relationship that you have with the Lord And I'm not really You know Some people call something legalism And you know there are people out there Who can be very legalistic They try to hold things to Such a high standard Because they feel that if they don't That they're afraid to fall They're afraid that sin will come in And in some ways While it's valid that we should Hold a standard um, Of righteousness in the earth At the same time, the Bible says that he upholds us with his righteous right hand. Jesus said, I know that those who are mine and the enemy can't snatch them away. And the question is, what is the Father saying to you? What commands is he giving you? Because he may tell you something he has to tell the person next to you. Does he The Bible said it talks about tithing And um, Which is To bring all the tithes into the storehouse And then we go back to The time of Abraham and Melchizedek Giving him a tenth of his income But if you notice Malachi And I, I don't think I'm wrong on this But if you notice Malachi he said, you robbed me in tithes and offerings. Um, and it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. But it doesn't say, bring all the 10% of tithes into the storehouse. You can go back into earlier parts of the scripture where it talks about the actual 10%. But in that verse in Malachi, it doesn't. And I, I bring that up to say, what if the tithe that the Lord wants you to give is more than 10%? What if the Lord says to you in your heart that you need to give 30%? Well, it's not something that's written in the Bible. It's not concrete in stone that you have to give 30%. But if the Lord tells you to do it, what is your response to the Lord? And his commands, it says, are never burdensome. If the Lord tells you to go talk to someone down the road, or he puts it in your heart to 
go talk to some neighbor who you just know is there that you see in passing? Or what if he tells you to go be reconciled with someone from your past or someone at work whom you've had a disagreement with and he lays it on your heart that you need to go be reconciled with this person? What is the attitude of your heart toward the Lord when it comes to those other commands that he gives you to do? Because there is a blessing on the other side of our obedience to the Lord. One of those blessings being a closer relationship to him. We could go into responsibility. Um, I mean, the Bible talks about the talents and how the master gave all of his servants talents, and then he went away and he came back, and he, want, he wanted to find out what they did with the talents that he had given him. And we could talk about responsibility to the Lord as far as the talents and the gifts and the callings the Father has put in our life and being obedient to the anointing that he has placed on our life and not forsaking and not disregarding the anointing and the calling that he's put on our lives as Christians, as children of God, to be the representation of the risen Savior into this earth. And that's fine. But we're not talking about responsibility. We're talking about the outpouring of your heart toward the Lord. The Bible says, I love your law. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And the attitude of our heart should be that whatever he requires of us, there could, no be, there could not be a price too great for him. Not just because we are indebted beyond all possible comprehension for our salvation and the internal life and the breath he has given us. But out of the very knowledge of who he is that asks of us to go into the nations, because of who he is to even ask of us, because our hearts are so in love with this Lord Jesus Christ, whom we've never seen with our own eyes, but we believe, having received the gift of the Holy Spirit, who has been poured out into our lives to be the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. Because he pours out grace and mercy and blessings upon us. There's nothing that he could ask of us or require of us that could be considered too great a cost. But it's a personal thing. It's a personal relationship you have with the Lord. He'll tell me things that he's not going to tell you and there will be things that the Lord reveals to you that he'll never reveal to me because all of us stand in different places with the Lord 
Abraham stood so close to the Lord that when the Lord was contemplating destroying Sodom and Gomorrah, he consulted with Abraham first. The God of all creation, who created heaven and earth and every fiber and every atom of Abraham's body, and yet he chose to consult with Abraham before destroying a city as if he needed anyone's advice when everything he does is according to the counsel of his own will for the good pleasure of his will. But in his omniscience, he chose to speak with a man, Abraham, on be who on behalf of a nation not a nation, a city, sorry. And the Lord will speak to you too. God will speak to you too about nations and cities and kingdoms and kings and princes and rulers. And the Father will speak to you in the night and in the day. And he'll declare the secrets of his heart to you. The question is, when he reveals the secrets of his heart, and he asks of you, will you do it? I believe it was Jeremiah that he told to lay naked for an extended period of time in this specific position so that as a symbol of the judgment against a nation. I think I got that one right. Now imagine the Lord these days telling anybody to lay down anywhere naked for 30 days or whatever it is. But there is a place of rest in the Lord where we learn to trust him with everything. Not just the big things. Not just whether this next bill is going to get paid, which we shouldn't need to ask about because we know that he is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God, our provider. Father, we long to seek your face. Father, we long in these wicked, wicked times that we live in, which your word has already declared as in the days of Noah, so would it be in the end. Father, as the world around us becomes exceedingly wicked, we desire, Father, Father, we seek righteousness, Lord. We seek your kingdom, Father. We seek your face. Lord, not for what your hand may bring to us, Lord, but just for who you are. Lord, we desire that you would reveal the thoughts and intents of your heart to us, Father, that you would find us worthy to converse with, that you would find us worthy to reveal the deep things of your heart, Lord. Lord, that you could trust us with the things of your heart, Father, that we would have an obedient heart to follow you, Lord, that we would have an obedient heart to obey your commands, Lord, that we would have an obedient heart to lay everything down before your cross, 
Because, Father, it is so easy. It is so easy as for us to pay you lip service. We've gotten so used to doing it to everybody else in the world that when we come in before you, the God of all creation has seemed part of our nature to do the same thing, to declare unto you the things that we'd like to do and want to do, but not always having the heart to really do them. Father, in these times that we find ourselves in, Lord, having man's wisdom and man's knowledge and man's understanding of world events really doesn't help much. Father, we need the guidance that only comes from you. Holy Spirit, that you would reveal to us the plans and purposes your thoughts and your intentions, Lord, for the world around us. Lord, we know that you are victorious. Father, but there's an entire world out there lost in suffering. There's an entire world out there that still doesn't have any clue who you are. And we have no idea at times how to reach them. But the scripture declares that you call every man. It says, It's by the goodness of the Lord. Father, that you would reveal yourself to this world. Father, not just the image that man has created about you and for you, not the idol of who you are that man has declared into the world. For there's so many different opinions about you. But we want to know you, Lord. We want to know your heart. We want to seek your face. Father, we want to take to the world the knowledge of your love, the knowledge of your death and resurrection, of the eternal life we have in you. Father, but we need a fresh anointing, Father. We need a fresh touch. Father, we need a fresh understanding and a fresh revelation of the anointing that you've already put in us. Because there's no greater anointing you could pour out upon our life beside the Holy Spirit which you've already given to us, Lord. But we're so ignorant as believers of the things that we already possess in our own grasp, of the gifts and the gifts and anointings you've already given us, Father. We have these talents that we've hidden away from the world because we were too afraid to approach them with them. Father, that you would burn a fire inside of us. Lord, that you would consume everything, Father. Consume everything does not bring glory and honor to you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, as your word declares, that 
you anoint us our head with oil that our cup could run over, that we could be overflowing. That we could be filled to such capacity that we can't help but declare who you are to this earth, Father, that there would be a difference. Father, that we could go out to the streets, Lord, and to the churches and to the marketplaces and the workplaces, Father, and no longer see the people around us as just people we work with, Father. Lord, but that we would see them as you see them, Father. Father and the homeless and the drug dealers and the prostitutes and the strippers and all the people that the world has cast aside and declared to be low. Father, we know that every one of them you died for. Father, we know that you know the Adams. Every hair on their head is numbered, Father. And for every other sinner in the world, regardless of what the sin is, because your word declares that we've all sinned. Every one of us has sinned and fallen short the glory of God. Father, that we could begin to see the world as you see them, Lord not through eyes of bitterness and not through eyes of judgment and not through eyes of pride or envy, Lord, but that we would see them through your love. Father, that we could approach the lepers as you did. Father, that you would restore families tonight. Jesus, that you would restore families tonight, Lord. Restore children with their parents and husbands and wives, Lord. That the spirit of reconciliation that you've poured out upon this earth, Father, would begin in our own homes. Father, that we could be whole. In you, Lord, because as your scripture declares that you are the vine and we are the branches, and without you we can do nothing, Father. Without you we are nothing. Oh, God, that you would consume us tonight with your fire, that you would consume us with your presence that you would draw us, Father, and give us a hunger and thirst for you, Lord. As David said, one thing I have desired that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, And we have become the house of your presence. As your scripture declares that We are being built up for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit, Lord. That we could understand and comprehend, Jesus, what you meant when you said for us to become one as you and the Father are one. 
Lord, that you would make us as a body one with each other, Father, that we become one with you.
Thank you.